0: Hi, this is Janet Lansbury. Welcome to Unruffled. Today I'm going to be consulting with a parent who reached out to me via email. Her issue is that her daughter keeps having what I would refer to as meltdowns at bedtime. The parent is trying to figure out what she's doing wrong. She feels bad about this and she refers to them as tantrums. There are people who talk about distinguishing tantrums and meltdowns and that there would be a different approach to each. In my experience, there's a lot of blend, and my approach would be more specific to the situation than to trying to decide if something was a tantrum or a meltdown. But in this case, I would consider these meltdowns. And in all cases, my general approach would be to hold limits and trust that the feelings need to be expressed. Okay, first of all, here's the note that I received from this parent. My almost three-year-old daughter has started a, quote, I want my blankets to be tucked in, slash, no, I don't want blankets, slash, I don't want to be tucked in, back and forth most nights at bedtime that leads to a tantrum if I take her at her word that she doesn't want to be tucked in and leave the room. The tantrum is heartbreaking and she'll either eventually hurt herself or I will give in to the intensity and go back to her room to tuck her in. As soon as I go back, she calms down, gets in bed, and lets me tuck her in and leave the room without fuss. But it's becoming part of the routine that she has to have the meltdown in order to accept the tuck-in and good night. I don't know what to do. I try to put the blankets on her anyway, and she kicks them off and then howls as I leave the room. She has a consistent bedtime routine, and once she's calm and I leave the room, she will read books, sing songs, and otherwise entertain herself in bed until she falls asleep. She's down until morning at that point. So there's the note, and here's the parent. Hi, thank you so much for reaching out to me.
1: Thank you for taking my call.
0: Well, I thought that your issue was one that a lot of parents could benefit from because for one, I actually get a lot of questions around bedtime, but also this, what somebody called indecision meltdown, and I thought that described it really well, where children keep changing their mind and we're trying to please them and it seems impossible It doesn't make any sense anymore. It's a common thing that happens with children your daughter's age. She's almost three. She's right in the thick of it. Let's hear a little about what feels most urgent right now, and then we'll go over your situation and see what we can do.
1: The pieces that I'm struggling with, and I realize I'm not being consistent with her, which I think is a problem but I really think that I could be consistent if I just felt like I knew the right answer of what to actually do in these moments. But I feel like there's two competing things with this specific set of tantrums that my daughter is having. One is, you know, I've read some of your comments around this indecision behavior and it's like, okay, you're having a hard time making a decision right now, so I'm going to help you or I'm gonna make the decision for you. But in this case, she's physically resistant to the quote-unquote decision. And so it's not exactly the same as my being able to kind of grab her and help her put on her shirt, which at the end of the day, we accomplish actually getting her shirt on. And so that part feels very confusing for me. And then the second part that feels very confusing is... I'm a huge believer in staying near for the tantrum process that's worked so, so well with my daughter up until this point. And yet now we're at bedtime. These feel like stalling tactics. I'm trying to leave the room and she starts having the tantrum. The indecision for me is, do I continue to leave the room? Or do I stay because it is a tantrum, but the tantrum then gets her what she wants, which is she doesn't want me to leave the room. And it's new enough behavior that I just find myself frozen in indecision or worse. She's in her room crying and screaming. I'm in my room crying because I don't know what to do. And so it just feels like, I just feel like I don't know what to do.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That's not fun. It's not a fun way to end the day. So the most important thing I want to help you with is the perspective to see what's actually going on here. That is something I talk about a lot. And it's really the key to everything because I can say, say this and do this thing. But if you have the perspective or a more accurate perspective, then you will know what to do. So, if we see this as like, oh my gosh, I'm failing here and I can't please her and I don't want to leave when she's upset and I'm you know, a bad mom and now we're sad, that's because of the way that we're seeing it. The way that I would like to help you see this is this is actually a gift that she's venting these feelings before she goes to sleep. What I loved about your story is that it's so succinct in a way and it's so unreasonable. Sometimes it can seem more reasonable what they're asking for, and it's easier for us to get stuck in it. But this, the indecision about being tucked in, makes absolutely no sense at all. It's totally unreasonable. And therefore, we know this is not about being tucked in or not. It has nothing to do with that. It's not the blankets. It's not the blankets or what you're doing. And that's important to know. It's not the choices you're making there. It's something that is inevitable and actually really healthy that we should probably all do, especially lately, have a uh, release of all the stresses of the day. And maybe there were other times during the day I want to talk about that. But if there's anything left, then she's got this healthy, healthy, healthy instinct to spill it, to vent it, to express it and get it out of her body so that she can relax and do those wonderful things, singing songs, reading her books. That's so beautiful that she can center herself. But she's showing you that she can't actually do that until she clears this. She can't do it until this experience happens. So If you could go into this seeing like, wow, this is such a healthy gift that she's getting it out so she can sleep really, really well. I certainly know what it's like to be sitting on feelings and then you can't go to sleep or else you wake up in the night. And if I could just cry or scream beforehand or in the moment when something's happening, then I wouldn't have that. And children have this healthier way of processing their emotions. so. First of all, seeing this as this inevitable thing that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with her doing something healthy, then you're going to feel differently about it. And you're going to kind of welcome this way that she has found to get herself triggered into venting, which is, it's about the blanket and you tucking her in. But that's just a tool that she's using unconsciously to be able to vent. So now you can go into this saying to yourself, okay, she's probably going to do this thing. And maybe she can do it with you if you're seeing it this way, if you're welcoming it, which is I know what you would prefer, or maybe not at the end of the day, I don't know. But you say that you would prefer being there for her, which is, of course, we all want to do that. So anyway, here she is. She's now talking about getting tucked in. So right there, I would say, I would love to tuck you in, my dear. And then she says, no, I don't want you to tuck in or whatever. Is that what she usually says?
1: Yeah, she she starts kicking the blankets off and, and right. yeah, no, I don't want the blanket.
0: Yeah, so I would stop right there because you're going to see, I mean, or you could make the choice, you know, I'm going to try one more time to put it on you, my love. But you could just stop with her kicking it off. And if you were not engaged in, oh my gosh, this is a problem and I got to figure this out. If you weren't so in it with her, if you kind of gave her that, emotional space, just taking a step back, maybe she would have the feelings there with you in the room. Have you ever tried that? Or
1: I don't think so in terms of stepping back, but still staying there. When she says, no, I don't want the blankets and kind of tries to kick them off. I say, okay, you don't want the blankets. Good night. I'll see you in the morning. And I walk toward the door and it takes until I get to about the door and, and open it. And she's like, oh, she's really leaving. Like, like this is really happening is when it, it will all just kind of full blown, come on. But I have not tried, okay, you don't want the blankets. No problem. I'm just going to stand over here for a little while and make sure that that's your choice. I don't know if yeah. that's exactly what you're saying, but I, I have what tried,
0: tried that. What I'm, that is what I'm saying, but I still, I wouldn't even say words to her when she's so, you know, in that unreasonable place, she's in a somewhat dysregulated state there. So there's really no point in saying what you're going to do and all that, You know, especially now you've been through this millions of times. Don't say anything. Just say the part about, okay, it's time nice to tuck you in. Okay, you've done this routine, right? Right. And then, okay, I'm going to tuck you in my love. Good night. Have a lovely rest. And then she kicks it down. And then just don't say anything. Try to focus on just breathing and relaxing yourself and trusting. Because when we're saying words like, okay, I'm going to do this. And we're still in that fix it mode sometimes without even realizing it. You know, as if it's a reasonable thing that she's doing. You know, it's an unreasonable thing. So You love her and there's no point in getting into, well, you said, so, okay, I'm not going to do it. Then I'm going to leave. You know, that's kind of you just a little bit getting into it on her level, you know, and trying to make sense of it or act like as if it's reasonable. I would be so much higher in the way that you're seeing this and look at, it's so unreasonable. I'm just going to let her do her thing.
1: Mm. I do have a worry that if I just back off and stay in the room, that she will start engaging me as if she's not going to sleep Mm. because on the non tantrum nights, the situation is, well, I'll just call mom for, you know, that one more thing that I got to tell you one more thing, or I need one more thing in my crib. So she has different tactics on different nights, quite frankly. (laughs) And to your point, probably the tantrum nights are the nights where she just really has something that she can't get over, right? That she really needs out. And so I worry that if I just kind of step back in this moment of indecision and don't move to leave the room, that she will not go into full blown, okay, I'm going to get this out of my system. It will be more like, okay, well, mom's staying. So maybe I don't need to do the things that I do to self-soothe to go to sleep because mom's still here as entertainment.
0: Right, or I'm still going to get engaged with her and pull her into this. So here's how you can feel better about leaving, because I know you're not feeling good about leaving. I would tell her earlier in the evening or whenever you're doing dinner, I would mention to her the whole routine, if you haven't done this, of how you're going to go to bed and all the things you're going to do and and not in a warning tone, and then I'm going to leave, you know. But in a matter of fact... And, you know, sometimes you're not sure about your blanket and you don't know what you want, and that's okay. Yeah, you know, we all feel like that sometimes. Really empathizing with her as a person. And, you know what, I'm going to say goodnight, and then if you want to yell at me, you know, that's okay. And if you need me to come back, I will. Or however that you want to set it up so that you are writing the script That includes, you'll always come back if she really, really needs you, you know, and you could even put in there in the routine plan, if she does these other stalling things, which are just normal things children do, that we're going to do the last water and the last hug and how many hugs do you need and like, you know, in a way, you sort of like writing a contract with her, not expecting that she's going (laughs) to, yeah, creating, help her create a story. But you know her, and you know that this might be part of the story. Your job as a mom is to say goodnight and to mean it and to be done so that she can do her job, which is, you know, have her lovely rest. I always present sleep positively, not, I mean, you got to go to sleep. Like, it's this bad thing. Yeah, sleep is a gift. <laughs> oh, At my yeah. age, you really you'll l-
1: Someday you'll love it.
0: Yeah. You get to rest your body. And you're not trying to sell it to her, but just the way that you see it. So write it with her, write a story with her, and then let her play all the parts she wants to, and you play your part. And I think what that does, at least for me and a lot of parents I've worked with, is it gives us permission for those things to happen, makes us feel better because we know our child knows. I mean, she already does know because she figured out what you're doing and how you're doing it, and she, she does know. The way that you do things yeah children know everything about us she knows already what that script is that she's playing with you but if you actually put it out there openly it's gonna make you feel better I think that's
1: a great idea I I haven't done that in a really long time but I used to do that when we were first establishing like that there is a bedtime routine and she loved hearing about all of the things that were going to happen I would tell her the whole bedtime routine and then ask her, do you, do you want me to tell you again? And she would say, yes. We just have had such a solid routine for so long that I, I forgot about that tactic.
0: I think it's actually going to help you more than her. I think it's going to make you feel more confident about this. And the other thing is to see it for what it is, which again, it's she's having her therapeutic moment at the end of the day. And you're not doing anything wrong here. You're actually giving her a gift getting to do this. And yeah, I would do it however it works. You know, you're not being a uh, whatever abusive parent to walk out when you've done all the wonderful things and your daughter knows quite well that you're there and you'd always come back if she needs you. So I would say in the script, I would say, and maybe you're going to want more water, but I'm going to leave. You know, if you do you know, need to tuck in after a bit, then I will come do that, of course then leave that space for her to to have the feeling. I think it'll make you feel a lot better. I also want to ask what's going on that's different because you said this is a newer thing and I wonder if there's some stressors going on that are creating the, this need to vent at the end of the day. Anything new happening?
1: That's a great question. So I am pregnant with our second who knows subconsciously if she's reacting to that. I Here do. That <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the other thing that I think is really um, challenging right now is that, so she goes to daycare during the week while I work and she has a nap at daycare. When she's home with me on the weekends, she doesn't have a nap. I notice a dramatic difference on the nap days in terms of her just staying up much much later in the evening and and having a harder time obviously falling asleep than I do on the weekends where it tends to go much smoother and be faster. And according to my daycare provider, my daughter asks for the nap and they don't let her sleep, you know, 2 hours which of course she doesn't need anymore being almost 3. And Daycare is such a stimulating environment that I do believe that she probably feels it much more acutely needing that nap than when she's home with us on the weekend. And she is, for the moment, an only child. (laughs) And so maybe gets downtime in other ways. And so I do think there is just some legitimate keyed upness is present during the working week. And then to your point, yeah, this change to her life is coming and she's aware of it. We talk about it and and so she does know that things are going to change and so i'm 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 sure listening to you that that's part of processing change that's going to happen in her environment
0: yeah and it's not just a little change it's literally her whole world which is her parents is changing the most important aspects of her world are shifting in a big way and it's very mysterious to a child they may have seen babies and people with younger siblings but they cannot fathom what the whole process is going to be like. So that mystery can be frightening for children. They can't get a grip on it. It's mysterious to us as well, but for a child, they don't have those frames of reference for any idea what this is going to be like. So it's a big, big deal. And whenever somebody with a toddler wants to talk to me about behavior, especially if it's recent behavior that's starting, that is the most common thing that Something people it's, sometimes changing. people don't tell me to end of the call like by the way and I like,
1: oh my goodness maybe but yeah that's it's a, a big, really good you know. point it wasn't in my purview because I was thinking okay after the baby comes like I just have to be prepared for the roller coaster right I have to be prepared for anything goes I, I have no idea how she's going to feel I have no idea how she's going to react I was not necessarily in the mindset of oh, she's anticipating this big change. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's something she's processing in her mind and her emotion. Because in my mind, it was like, oh, well, it's not here yet.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, she's processing it all from the very moment there was a twinkle in someone's eye when someone said something to someone. And then, yeah, she knows. I mean, children, even if you don't tell them, they know. They know something's happening that's different. They feel it. They're so aware and intuitive. So it's it's already started. So that gives you more reason to know that she has stress and feelings. It's going to come out in different random ways. Does she have other indecisions?
1: It it's a really good question and I would say I don't know that I know the answer because she is in daycare, you know, during the day 5 days a week. And it's a wonderful daycare. There's a lot of things that I love about it and I would say that it is fairly Old school, in terms of things like distraction and, oh, you're okay. And while I try not to do that at home, it's not the same situation at daycare, which is where she spends, you know, quite a bit of her time. Right. But she can
0: still get this from you. So I would even more look out for it in the time that you have with her. And you're right. Just being with other children in a group like that, so stimulating, so much more tiring than the weekends at home with you. And she does need a nap, but I would also consider if she's having a hard time settling down uh, in the evening, actually, I would consider putting that earlier. If she's not even sleeping two hours, she could still go to sleep four or five hours later. It shouldn't be a thing that this makes her have to stay up so late. You know, the problem is they get overtired at the drop of a hat. right. And then it's so hard for them, just like it is for us. They're resistant. They don't feel like it. They're getting that second wind. So I would just think about possibly if you could shift everything earlier. A little earlier. And try that. Um, And then now she's processing this emotional journey that's scary. And that's underneath everything. Then she's got the challenges of being in care being with all the other children and the other adults taking care of her, so there's a lot for her to discharge the more you can see it that way if she pushes limits when she gets home or if she's you know grumpy and what's harder for you is that the more our children are gone, the more we want it to be nice when we're with them and so I think that's making it harder for you
1: totally true it does yeah. it feels like like more of a failure when you feel like you're spending all of your time together fighting instead of working together or or having an having a nice time so
0: exactly but if you could shift this to what i'm saying which is you can be the place for her to offload you can be the person and you already are but don't get into fights with her make your choice as the adult and let her be upset about it welcome her to be upset about it. It's it's a win. I know this is the hardest thing that we all try to do as parents that are following this path is to shift the way we're seeing our child's emotions, which come out in behavior and testing and pushing us and you know, stalling and all those things. If we could see those as, oh, I'm the person that helps my child to express this so that she can find balance with all the challenges in her life or has a better chance of it. You know, this is a very off balance time with this transition. Every child goes off balance in some way. So what they need is somebody that can balance them and it doesn't always look nice on the outside, but it's so important for you to try to work on seeing it positively for you.
1: Yeah. That makes total sense. I think that I have always attempted to view it in that positive way and to a certain extent I have been lulled into a (laughs) false sense of security by the fact that she's just she's always been quite easygoing to be honest and now these these nighttime tantrums which are just truly tornadoes of emotion in, in an intensity that I have rarely seen in her have just rocked me a little bit I mean, my heart just breaks for her. She's she's just so hurting about something.
0: Mm-hmm. The pregnancy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is what it is. And I guess she will survive it, as most of us do. She will. And she'll survive
0: it wonderfully if you keep doing what you're doing, which is letting her feel all the negative things. And, you know, even with the baby, it won't necessarily be directly about the baby. It'll be testing at bedtime, it'll be, you know, uh, getting indecision meltdowns. I mean, that's the problem is like, it never looks like in a nice little box of I'm feeling bad about the baby, you know,
1: right, that
0: that would be helpful. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to remind ourselves of that, that you could be this person that helps her to share all the downsides. And it's never fun when our children are upset. Never, ever, ever. I mean, I have adult children. I mean, I'm still, (laughs) I dread it every time. But every time after something passes, I realize, yep, it's the best thing that could have ever happened. And I congratulate myself. I pat myself on the back for not pushing back on it or trying to get in the way of it, for giving my child that emotional space, welcoming all these uncomfortable things. So I think it'll help you to start to congratulate yourself. Even this thing that you're doing now. When you see her turn and she's fine, instead of feeling like, oh, gosh, I'm not getting this right, feel like, wow, she's
1: brilliant at this. She got it all out. And now and she I'm
0: letting her. And I'm and she's, she's perfectly happy. <laughs> yeah. And that's the way it is with children and even adults. That's the way it is. So it's a good thing. It never feels good in the the eye of the storm, but if you could keep reminding yourself to trust it. Thanks. That's very helpful. Good. I think, you know, you already get all of this in your way in the right direction. And it totally makes sense. She's never had this kind of a challenge in her life, this kind of an emotional challenge. Some children feel a lot better when the baby's there. It's just the anticipation that is hard for young children. So just have your expectations realistic so that you can take care of yourself realize it's going to be rocky with her. And that's how it's supposed to be.
1: That's helpful. It's helpful to validate my instinct to walk away. Um, I mean, maybe it is the impetus for the crying, but it's the impetus that she needs so that she can do it so that she can get over it so she can get back in bed. And she can kind of progress with her night.
0: 100%. You were giving her the gift of a boundary. So that she can have the gift of expressing her feelings.
1: That makes sense. So
0: see it that way. Yeah. She's shown you what she needs. <laughs> it's like really, really clear. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much again for putting up with this.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. I This was very helpful. You reminded me of a couple of things that I really, that I, I needed to be reminded of and that give me a lot more faith that my instincts are the right things to do and that and that we're going to be we're going to be great
0: yes you are she's going to be sad she's going to be happy and and uh, yes your instincts are spot on
1: thank you thank you very much
0: so keep trusting yourself you're doing a great job please check out some of the other podcasts on my website janetlandsbury.com they're all indexed by subject and category so you should be able to find whatever topic you might be interested in and both of my books are available in paperback at Amazon No Bad Kids Toddler Discipline Without Shame and Elevating Childcare A Guide to Respectful Parenting You can also get them in ebook at Amazon Apple Google Play or Barnes and Noble and in audio at audible.com You can get a free audio copy of either book at Audible by following the link in the liner notes of this podcast Thank you so much for listening We can do this